Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my new book coming out soon, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor, a professional keynote speaker, and published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, Sharon and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. We're a national organization helping women and their families who are battling cancer. And today's topic is about a subject that many survivors face, myself included, and that is the subject of insomnia. Yes, and our guest today is an expert in this field, and she will help us understand why this happens, why it's important that we fix it, and so we want to talk to um, Dr. Marnie, is it Anselm? Is that how you yes, pronounce it? Yes, it's Anselm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, and welcome. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here today, Becky and Sharon. I'm delighted to be speaking with you and discussing this topic that affects so many. Becky is certainly not alone here. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist, and I specialize in health psychology, which essentially means that um, I focus on how, how health issues affect how people feel, how people adjust to various health or illness-related issues, and also how people re- um, reach their health-related goals, including reducing sleepless nights. Very good. Um, well, I have a part-time clinical psychology practice in the metropolitan New York City area, and I've also been working for years as a consultant with hospitals and um, patient-centered national organizations, such as the Cancer Support Community, and I also write on health psychology-related topics. Um, as a Yes. As a clinician and a researcher, I have heard so much about how distressing it is for people when they simply can't sleep when they're trying to sleep. Boy, no kidding. It's, yeah. it's tough. You know, <laughs> I know you, you... is not pleasant, um, as I think many can attest to, and it certainly has a lot of carryover into other areas of life and how people will feel throughout the day. I know. When you said that that I'm not alone in this at 2 o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep, it sure feels like I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, the thoughts that go t- through your head at that hour are oh. not necessarily the ones that are going through your head when you're in your clear mind during the daytime. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, so ultimately, yeah, why... sleep... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so ultimately, why is sleep important? Okay, so sleep is important for a number of reasons. It is um, important so that we can carry on, you know, throughout our day in our usual way. Um, Impaired sleep, when we're not getting enough sleep, is, you know, affects our quality of life in many ways. Um, It also affects our bodies. We have um, our immune system is is not at full capacity. Um, It affects our thinking and our memory. Um, It is... You know, it's associated, and all you have to do is is, um, read the headlines and know that it's associated with increased risk of other medical conditions, such as diabetes, obesity, heart disease, 
Um, and it's also associated, certainly, but not, not um, necessarily, with other um, psychological um, disorders or distress, including depression and anxiety. Um, and it, it really just, you know, it's, it's also kind of the overall um, quality of life here that is, um, that is impacted. Yeah. So, Dr. Amsalem, I, I just have a mm-hmm. question that I know we didn't discuss this ahead of time, but mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned that lack of sleep can lead to obesity is one thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I heard, and maybe you have a different take on it, but I heard part of that is because when people get up in the middle of the night or they can't sleep, they go to the refrigerator and they raid it. And so they're eating at really weird hours and it throws off your whole eating mechanism. Is that, that part that of that or is it something else? That contribute to that, yeah. Um, sleep is, um, really the behaviors that happen around sleep are so important to think about and a lot of things are habitual and I'll kind of get into that as, as we continue talking, but certainly creating new patterns such as I'm going to distract myself from not sleeping by going downstairs and, and helping myself to another snack is, um, is a habit that can certainly um, become perpetuating as insomnia can as well. Uh, makes sense. So how did you actually get involved with the sleep issues? So as a clinician um, and researcher, I have heard so much from people about this, you know, this challenge that they're having and how distressing it is and how because it's not necessarily seen as, you know, certainly as people are going through cancer treatment, that is not the primary issue, Right. So it's kind of brushed aside. Um, so it's it is something that necess- not isn't necessarily receiving all of the attention that um, one might feel that it should be getting. Um, it's very common. In fact, um, it has been estimated and reported by the National Cancer Institute that um, a half to a third, a third to a half of individuals who have been affected by cancer have sleeping difficulties. That's a lot. Yeah. I didn't know it was that. So many. I've heard this a crazy. lot, and um, it carries over into how people feel. Um, and this is really, and, and the research shows that there are there are in fact many ways in which insomnia and sleep disturbances can be successfully overcome. Oh well, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so tell me what the difference is between just having trouble sleeping once in a while and actual insomnia. Sure, sure. Well, um, I think we've all experienced disrupted sleep. It can be something that happens when we're under a period of stress. It can be something that is kind of a side effect of um, a medical issue such as going through um, a cancer treatment if, um, you know, could just be a side effect of that or um, from another psychological issue. It uh, could be related to the substances that we ingest, including a diet, um, stimulants, you know, caffeine and nicotine. Um, let's see, disturbed sleep um, but is an insomnia disorder, however, when it is associated with the distress about not sleeping enough and feeling mm-hmm. that um, something is wrong because you're not getting enough sleep. Okay. So um, insomnia is really the dissatisfaction that people have with their sleep quantity or quality. 
Yeah. I remember when I was younger, um, I would fight the fact that I needed eight hours of sleep. And sure. because, you know, I would know people who, oh, yeah, they would almost brag about the fact that they could, you know, do blah, blah, blah with four or five hours of sleep. And I just couldn't. I just couldn't do that. And mm-hmm. I really wonder now, as I've, you know, aged and gotten a little wiser, um, <laughs> if that was just a bunch of hogwash that they really needed the eight hour sleep to. But <laughs> well, that is true. Our sleep needs do change over time. Certainly, the very young have have different sleep needs that you know as as we age. You know, then then um, and our shift our clocks shift also as we age. Um, but individuals do vary from one to the next. So there are people that successfully navigate their entire you know most of their entire lives with you know on just five hours of sleep a night mm-hmm. as an adult. Um, and that certainly does not work for most people. Yeah, it certainly mm-hmm. didn't for me. So I, I mm-hmm. kind of finally gave up on that idea and just embraced the fact that I need to, you know, have my eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point. We are all different and our needs do change. I mean, sometimes I go to bed at midnight and I look at the clock and I think, wow, I don't have to get up till seven. I get seven hours. But then I go to bed and I lay there <laughs> for a while. <laughs> so by and the time I actually go to sleep, it's panic that I'm only yeah. going to get X amount of hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It doesn't feel good at all. So, yeah. So, um, when when you're not getting enough sleep, um, what kind of, I mean, physically we have problems. Obviously, you mentioned obesity and a few other things. So, um, I mean, can't, when, you, when you're waking up at, at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and worrying, that's when it really gets to me. Exactly. Well, that is kind of the, the hallmark feature of of when it's insomnia. Um, I should also note that insomnia is something that it's not just a one night thing. You can have you can have a night of a you know a bout of insomnia, but it's when it really becomes more of a its own you know beast is when it's present you know at least three nights of the week um, over a period of time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's a chronic problem rather than right. just a once in a while. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's so, not due to okay. the results, you know, the result of other things such as substances you're taking, um, another medical condition. Certainly, if you're experiencing pain or discomfort, that is going to affect your sleep. Of course. So sure. that, might, that would yeah. not be considered a primary insomnia if it's mm-hmm. happening as a side effect of that. So that kind of brings us to the the next point, and that is Mm -hmm. because it's definitely connected. Why is it so much more difficult for cancer patients? You know, it did seem to get worse for me. You know, Mm -hmm. when I when I went through mine. So tell us about that. I believe the general population um, prevalence is um, it's under twenty percent of you know for for sleep um, disturbance, and um, you know, like I said, closer to half for for cancer patients. Um, it is often an overlooked side effect of cancer, as I had mentioned. Um, it can be um, unrelenting, and part of the reasons um, there's there's a whole host of reasons, but certainly. Um, I don't need to tell either of you or any of your listeners this, but the emotional um, consequences of being diagnosed with cancer can set off any number of, um, you know, thoughts that kind of stay with you as you're, you know, throughout your day and continue um, into your, you know, into your sleeping hours, right? Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, and also um, along with just general cancer worry or thoughts about cancer, there is an increased prevalence of anxiety and depression that goes along with um, a cancer diagnosis and sometimes also into cancer survivorship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that comes back, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is, that can be, you know, very long term. Um, it's kind of adjusting to your life the new normal. Right. Um, also, during treatment, the effects of cancer treatment, as I had mentioned, um, it could be a medication, it could be any sort of discomfort associated with um, mm-hmm. with that. So it could be a secondary side effect or it could be a, a primary side effect of, of the cancer treatment itself. Sure. Um, yeah, the chemotherapy yeah. sometimes is associated with um, disrupted um, your natural body rhythms, your circadian rhythms. Wait, I'm and, sorry, your what rhythms? Um, circadian rhythms, it's kind of the natural rhythms that your body yeah. has for um, its natural alert time and natural um, sleep time. Okay. Which is um, another reason that all of these things, you know, I'll um, continue to, to elaborate on this, but as um, every individual is different and some people's rhythms are, you know, they get tired at 8 p.m. and that's when their body wants to kind of wind down for the evening, whereas others are not ready to wind down until after midnight. So that's, um, so if, so a treatment can in, um, interfere with what the natural sure. rhythms are for each individual. Well, let me ask a question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know for a lot of us, when we went through chemo, it kind of launched many of us into early menopause. And then for some of us mm-hmm. who are on drugs like tamoxifen or Famara or those kinds of things that are estrogen blockers, that increased, um, you know, the, that hormonal imbalance. And for yep. me, because of those, because being thrown into it so quickly, and I'm sure many, many, many of us experience mm-hmm. this, my hot flashes were horrible. And so my husband and I actually installed a fan, a ceiling fan right over the bed. And I had to sleep with that cranked up just because I couldn't sleep through those night sweats. Do you, sure. do you experience that from all, some of your other patients? Absolutely. Is that if you're waking up, do you do any sort of need, whether it's hot flashes, um, the need to go to the bathroom, it can be very hard to go back to sleep if, if uh, your body's kind of taken you know, from, its, from what it had been doing. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, this is a very, very common side effect, as you know. Wow. I, yeah, yeah I, it sure feels like it. So what are some of the other factors that invade our sleep and just keep us from either going to sleep or staying asleep? Um, medication can um, affect your sleep, um, especially steroids. Uh, that can increase oh. your agitation um, and disrupt sleep. Okay. And the things that we do throughout our day, um, regardless of um, our our experience with cancer, if we're um, if we are having caffeine late in the day, that's often associated with a decreased ability to fall asleep. Um, yeah. A lot of people find that getting exercise earlier in the day is a, a good thing to help keep them. Um, on track for for um, going to bed at the ideal time. Mm-hmm. That makes so sense. So a lot of these kinds of other factors um, relate to um, some tips that people can do, just kind of off the bat, um, to to see if you know they can make some modifications in their daily life to mm-hmm. help 
um, you know, without going more in depth. So if you're saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of bed, you know, to go downstairs and have a snack at midnight, um, a, a simple thing might be to look at that scenario and uh, see if there's any behavioral things that can happen, um, you know, to make modifications so that um, new habits are formed. Right. Okay. right. Yeah, that makes and sense. It, and it seems like the, the, the uh, person who has a hard time going to sleep and that person who wakes up at two in the morning and can't go back to sleep, are there like, those are actually different situations, different scenarios. They certainly can be, right. Insomnia can be characterized by sleep onset difficulties, you know, having trouble falling asleep, sleep waking difficulties, waking up in the middle of the night and having trouble falling back asleep, and also early onset, or sorry, early um, waking insomnia, where um, your body might wake up, say, at 5 a.m., even though you didn't have to be up till 7, and that becomes perpetuating and uh, distressful. Yeah, we, well, we just got back from Iceland and, and France. You know, all of a sudden, I became a 5 o'clock in the morning wake-up person, too, mm-hmm. there for, for a week, but luckily, yeah. I went back to my normal. Yeah, Listen, I, we, that, we need to actually take a short break, we'll so um, we're going we're gonna to take a break for right now, okay. and we do want to invite our callers to call in at one 866 472-5792 and we'll be back shortly with Dr. Marnie Amselin talking about insomnia so we'll be right back stay tuned a fresh look at today's health Voice America Health and Wellness Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about insomnia and why is sleep important. So let's kind of pick up where we left off. Um, uh, I think, uh, Marnie, you were talking about um, kind of the Maybe it's some simple uh, cures, if you will, or, you know, we're talking mm-hmm. about maybe 
less caffeine in the afternoon, right. perhaps. Yeah, you know, there's I'm a really lot of strategies that people can do to make small modifications that really might make a difference. Um, they yeah. really do make a difference. Um, yeah. Oftentimes they need to be combined with other things as well, but um, I'll just review what, what some of them are. Certainly, um, as we had said, limiting caffeine um, to earlier in the day. Um, different people have different sensitivities to caffeine, but generally as a rule that, that is um, um, an important thing to do. Same thing with exercise. A lot of people find that if they exercise right before bed, that might affect them falling asleep. Um, Is that positive diet. or negative? What? Oh, um, it's better to exercise earlier in the day. That's typically what the guidelines say. Um, if you're doing a more of a relaxing type of exercise, then that absolutely would be a good thing to do late in the day. Okay. But like yoga or something? Correct. Exactly. Okay. That would be a great okay. thing to do to uh, wind down at the end of the day. Okay. But the bigger Any other thoughts? Uh, sure. Um, there's a lot of ways also to think about where, you know, how, how you're going to bed. Are you looking at a screen um, up until that minute you, you, know, you turn off the light or even after you turn off the light? Um, believe it or not, having you know, the blue light from all of our devices and computer screens um, kind of tricks our body into thinking that it's, that it's uh, still you know, that they should still, that our body should still be alert. Um, so oh, good point. How many of us do that, that every day? How to restructure <laughs> that um, can um, and really is recommended to happen um, in order to promote a better sleep environment. Um, sleeping in a cool, dark room with limited distractions is what is um, recommended. Um, if you're going to be um, looking at, you know, any sort of screen, kind of doing that out of your bed. Um, and if you're going to be doing, you know, so any sort of activity that happens before bed should be a relaxing, uh, before going to sleep should be a relaxing type of activity. Um, and the bed itself, and ideally the bedroom, if that is feasible in your um, living situation, should be a room in a in a place that is pretty much dedicated to sleep and to sex. That is um, a way then you'll associate bed with kind of, um, you know, going to sleep. So um, another thing to do that people find very helpful is to not look at the clock if you're having trouble falling asleep or waking up early. So turning Don't that clock around... Clock. Wow, yeah. why don't you look at the clock? Because I mean, <laughs> that can then promote anxiety. Um, if, you're, if you get into bed, say, at 11, and then you look over again, and you're not asleep, it's 12, you look over again, it's 12.30, and then that, that you know, feeds that cycle of worry and um, mm-hmm. all of the thoughts about not getting enough sleep and how you're going to function the next day and tomorrow is shot and I should cancel this appointment because I'm going to be too tired. So, um, I can definitely attest around. to that being correct because that's exactly what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how am I going to function on an hour of sleep and what if it's not even an hour because I'm not there yet? Oh my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, yeah. terrible, yeah. You know, I need to embrace my dog's theory. When I say to him, Sway, his name is Swayze, Swayze, it's time for bed. He bounds up the stairs, jumps on the bed, and then he falls right to sleep. It's like, right, okay, so your dog he, has associated he the bed with 
sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. <laughs> right, so that's, that's that awesome. is exactly, that is actually um, basically the same principle, right, that, that uh, many of these types of treatments for insomnia would also employ right there. You just kind of sum that up. Yeah, that's good. Hey, I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you a question. You know, I know mm-hmm. that I know that that people should go to their their medical provider if they're really having sleep, you know, serious issues before they think about taking medications to go to sleep. But the mm-hmm. the over the counter stuff at the grocery store, there's so much. And I right. I take Tylenol PM sometimes, or you know, Advil PM or whatever. I take mm-hmm. one of those just to help me kind of cross over into sleep. It doesn't always keep me asleep, but right. what, what's your thought on taking those kinds of, of sleep enhancements? Over-the-counter things. Um, yeah. Everyone reacts to different, you know, to, to medications differently. So it's it's certainly okay to try things. Um, mm-hmm. And some people find that taking something with a PM added to it makes them feel a little bit groggy the next morning um, that, okay. because it does stay in your body um, a little bit longer than some um, of the prescribed medications, the hypnotics. Okay. Um, but if, um, if that's something that is of interest to you, the best thing to do is to speak to a doctor. It's a very easy thing to prescribe. But, of course, um, prescribing it needs to take into account everything else that you may or may not be taking yeah. and other um, health and you know individual issues that you might have. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find that if I wait to take it till I can't go to sleep, then I do wake up groggy. But if I take it knowing I'm going to have a hard time going to sleep, and I take it earlier mm-hmm. so that I can go to sleep at a decent time, then it see I mm-hmm. seem to wake up okay. But I just don't know how many nights in a row you can do that without hurting yourself. So sure, that's probably a conversation sure. I need to have with my doctor. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's recommended for more short-term usage. And that is the thing with medications in general. They can certainly be very effective, especially once, like, you you know, you've learned a good, you know, the timing for you and what works well for you. But um, as far as curing the issue itself, it's, it's more of a short-term fix-the-symptoms approach rather than a long-term strategy to overcome insomnia. And I, and I think we do get kind of psychologically hooked on those kinds of things thinking oh if I don't take my Tylenol PM you know I can't go to sleep and absolutely you know, I, I think that can cause some you know problems as well you know um, mm-hmm. I know one of the things that I do um, I like white noise you know mm-hmm. um, and so there's an app on my phone now that I actually just <laughs> can, you know connect my my phone to the my uh, my plug to keep it charged and first time I heard Sharon do that we were we did this trip together and in Iceland and we're sharing a room and I hear this hissing sound coming from her phone I thought it was going to explode I tried to wake <laughs> her up gently to say hey what's going on with your phone <laughs> would have defeated the entire purpose but, right. but it is a pretty good idea tell you about it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it just kind of muffles especially when you're in a different environment like our you know room in Iceland you know, you're not used to the normal sounds that happen um, in that place. And so it just kind of muffles it enough where, because I tend to be a light sleeper. I like mm-hmm. to sleep 
<laughs> like I mentioned earlier, I like my eight hours of sleep. But um, but yeah, sometimes the just the being unfamiliar with an area that that really helps a lot. Oh, and not to mention Iceland in the summer; it's never dark. So <laughs> that dark room you were talking about that didn't happen either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three thirty in the morning, I got up to use the restroom, and I looked out the window, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's still light out." <laughs> Dusk at three o'clock in the morning is crazy. <laughs> right, and don't let your body realize that because it'll think it's yeah. daytime, and then you won't be able I know. to fall back. Crazy. Right. So no, but you mentioned something important, which is that um, we know our we know what works for us. If if there are things that you found that work for you, whether it's a white noise app, um, you know, and that's something that allows you to sleep in an unfamiliar situation better, go for it. Yeah, exactly. And if I'm laying there and I'm and I'm, you know, my mind isn't shutting off, I really try hard to like actually pray and and you know I I just have a little conversation and it's amazing how I just kind of calm down and stop thinking about whatever is racing around in my brain and and I'll usually fall asleep so yeah and the other thing that I've always done is keep a notepad next to my bed because if I've got a thought rolling around in my brain and I and I'm afraid I'm going to lose it the minute I write it down it's like it just takes it out of there and puts it over there and I know it's still there in the morning so that seems to help me so are there what is the treatment for insomnia I mean actual not just sleep disturbance but actual insomnia Mm -hmm. is there a treatment for it absolutely there's um, a variety of treatment approaches Um, one of them as you've mentioned is medication there's a variety of hypnotics that um, you know such as Ambien um, not to um, have any sort of preference of one or the other it's just a very commonly known one um, that um, is effective certainly there are a lot of um, more behavioral and psychological approaches which um, I'll go into a little bit more in a second um, there are things that um, are a little bit more holistic that um, you know, with your not really necessarily addressing the thoughts and the cognitions and behavior, but things like acupuncture, um, yoga, um, that can help um, put you in a more more relaxed state as you enter bed. So that becomes part of your ritual. So then that actually is a more of a behavioral kind of approach. Um, mm-hmm. All of these things can be effective. Um, the gold standard right now for treating insomnia is actually cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which mm-hmm. is um, a, a multi-layered kind of behavioral approach. Um, and in studies, it has been shown to be um, as effective as taking a medication um, initially and then the long-term effects, looking at how insomnia is um, an issue you know, down the road many months later at follow-up um, shows that this is really the way to go because you're re, you're relearning new um, behaviors as far as can you give you. us an example of what that might look like? Just one simple example. Okay, Just, um, as far as this this approach to treating it, yeah, cognitive okay. behavioral approach. What what would that sure. look like? What, so what it is kind of it's a multi. It's it's not something that happens all at once, but it's a lot of learning that happens and awareness of what is going on. You know, with it within each individual. Um, so people would. Um, this is something that you would be doing in th- a therapy. Um, they would have. Uh, do a very um, detailed 
evaluation of their sleep patterns um, with a tool called the Sleep Diary, and that would help identify the patterns that are going on, all sorts of patterns, whether, you know, it's how long are you staying in bed before you're actually falling asleep, how long are you laying in bed, you know, and mapping things out from night to night if there's differences in, um, you know, across days, um, week, weekdays versus weekends, um, identifying any potential pattern going on. Um, okay. And also you are um, learning to identify any sort of thoughts, or um, stress that could be contributing to that insomnia. Um, after that, um, you would be doing, um, or you know, kind of in conjunction, um, learning about how insomnia has a learned component to it. And um, that is kind of what you were alluding to earlier as far as, um, um, you know, your dog kind of, ju- you say, okay, it's bedtime, and they, you know, the dog just jumps right into bed and, and kind of falls right asleep because they've associated that, okay, it's bedtime with, okay, it's time to lay in bed and fall asleep. So what ends up happening oftentimes in insomnia, it's sort of like that Pavlovian dog experiment, Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, the bell is rung, you know, the, the dog salivates in the sight of food, then the bell is um, paired with food, and then all of a sudden, you know, over, um, you know, some learning that takes place, some repeated exposures, the dog is then salivating to a bell, right? Even though the bell mm-hmm. has no intrinsic um, quality of having a dog salivate to it. Initially, that's kind of what's happening with, um, with the bed. The bed becomes this... Um, symbol of, oh, I'm not going to fall asleep. So you're basically, (laughs) yes, it's kind of the reverse. Changing changing our thinking around that. Exactly. So that's where that cognitive behavioral um, work comes into play here as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You're going to strengthen um, that bed as a cue for sleep rather as a cue for distress. So um, you're, yes. You are unlearning the um, negative associations between uh, the bed and sleep, um, and what you're actually doing is only going to bed when you're sleepy, and you are actually getting out of bed when you're unable to sleep. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. that happens. That's true. Okay. And, and what is stimulus control? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so the, the goal of stimulus control is um, extinction of that conditioned arousal of the bed. Okay. So what you're going to do is go to bed only when you're sleepy. If, if you say, okay, I want to start going to bed at 10 p.m., but you're not tired at 10 p.m., maybe that's not the right time for you to be going to bed. Um, okay. But being consistent from night to night. So if your body's tired more like at 11 or 11.30, have that be around the time that you're going to bed and, and keep that pretty consistent across the nights of the week. Um, naps is another, is another thing, too. Um, a lot of experts say that avoiding naps is, is the way to go. But if you are to nap, what they recommend is early in the day and short. Yeah, right. like the 10-minute cat nap, as they say. Yeah, 10, 20-minute cat nap. Yeah. And it just has to do with um, the, you know, the sleep cycle where you are. If you, if you stay, sleep too long, you're going to enter a deeper sleep, which would then affect how easily you would be able to fall asleep later that night. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So yeah. we only have a couple more minutes till the next break, but do we have mm-hmm. time to talk about what the term sleep hygiene means? Or Sure. Well, we can kind of review sleep hygiene because we have actually already discussed sleep hygiene. Okay. Sleep hygiene is, is um, just like, you know, oral hygiene, taking care of um, your teeth, brushing your teeth before you go to bed. These are all... Um, habits that we can do to modify our environment to help promote a good night of sleep. So those are things like um, avoiding caffeine before bed, using, you know, your bed only for, you know, certain purposes, but not for the purpose of, you know, working or, you know, checking your email and reading social media as you're falling asleep. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, guilty. You might identify with, right? (laughs) So I just had never heard that term sleep hygiene in Uh our pre-interview stuff. You mentioned that phrase, and I had never heard that. So, okay, so that's Mm -hmm. what that means is all the stuff Mm -hmm. we've just been talking about. Exactly. Well, I like to expand my my, uh, vocabulary a bit. Well, we are actually down to the next break. So um, we are going to take a short break. We do want to encourage callers to call in at 866-472-5792. And if you're the one who's having trouble sleeping or you've got someone in your life who's having trouble sleeping, you know, this is a good opportunity to talk for free to a wonderful person who has a tremendous amount of knowledge in this this category. So please feel free to give us a call and stay tuned. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, we're back from break and we're talking about insomnia and why sleep matters with Dr. Marnie Anselm, a sleep specialist. So um, one of the things that I know has been on my mind as we've had these conversations is As women, we're so funny about, 
you know, really minimizing what we're going through with a cancer diagnosis. You know, we're telling everybody, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we wake up at two o'clock in the morning and then worry about dying and worry about, you know, all these things that were really not necessarily being totally honest with our family and friends. You mean like that that time when we say to our husbands, honey, if something happens to me, I want you to get remarried. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We know we didn't really actually mean that. And we really didn't mean that, yeah. And so those like, moments, yeah. <laughs> and then you were what worrying? You came up with like uh, the bimbo's name and everything. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. You came up yeah. with everything. I remember that story. That yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when when we're when we're when we're dealing with insomnia, that two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, wake up. Oh, that's just the worst. That worry, worry, worry stuff is mm-hmm. is hard to manage. Exactly. Now, there's a lot that we carry around throughout the day, and amazingly, it kind of all just reappears when we're having trouble sleeping. Yeah. Sure. And it amplifies, like you yeah. said. It, it grows, just, yeah, it a does. lot. <laughs> it really yeah. does. So we've had lots of really great ideas um, uh, about how we can kind of get past all of this. And But I've had people say to me, you know, I've tried all of that, and it just doesn't seem to work. Um, mm-hmm. Then what? Then, then, then what would what, what we do? Okay, so it's possible that they could have tried some things and uh, not others. Um, But the biggest thing, kind of stepping back a bit, is to realize that this is something that is a learned, you know, issue. And unlearning insomnia can take time. Mm. Um, And it's something that in order to create new patterns of sleep, and falling asleep, it's going to require consistency and, you know, kind of sticking to the rules. So that's really something that happens, um, you know, as you're, if you um, decide to go into get, um, if you, especially cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, if you decide to seek treatment for it um, in a way, you know, more of a behavioral way as opposed to with medication. So, so um, i so what I'm hearing you say is is like it's a habit. Like you're building a habit just like you built a habit to get to that place that we mm-hmm. kind of need to unbuild it. So if if not looking at our screens, for instance, for a couple of nights doesn't work, doesn't mean we need to stop doing that. Correct. <laughs> no, it's beha- insomnia is largely behavioral. That's not to say that there aren't physiological factors that go along with it. Certainly. Um, That's so fascinating. I never, ever thought of it that way before. Insomnia Mm -hmm. is a learned behavior, which means you can unlearn it. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, Sharon and I have some work that we do in the prison, and we talk to the ladies in the prison about everything we do as a habit. I never lumped insomnia into that. I thought it was out of my control. So that's cool. That gives me some hope and some encouragement. And, you know, right. just going back and doing some of these things that you that you mentioned. And, and I'm sure decluttering the bedroom is probably a factor because if it... Mm, yep, if you're yes. someone that gets um, kind of bent out of shape over piles of stuff sitting around, probably looking around your room as you're, you know, preparing for bed um, is not something that's a calming you know, situation yeah. for yourself. Yeah. So there's certainly, there are things we absolutely can do now, different environments, as you mentioned in prison, there's, there's less ability to, to alter things. There's less ability to affect 
um, the amount of pain you might be experiencing at a, at a given point. But there are ways certainly to manage it, and there's ways um, you know, to restructure um, your, your environment for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, that totally makes mm-hmm. sense, yeah. Okay. And so I think the, the thing I'm hearing, which, like you, you said, Becky, is giving me hope, mm-hmm. is that, you know, you can kind of unlearn that same behavior. Um, so if you, you've gone through cancer and you've gotten into the pattern of waking up every night and worrying about whether you're going to live or die or how tired you are or how, you know, this treatment is upsetting and it's upsetting, you know, the family and all the other worries that we we go, the financial worries, all that stuff that we can actually untrain ourselves to do that. Yes, we can. And we can definitely, uh, we are very trainable beings. Oh, I love that. As a psychologist, that is definitely... uh, how uh, my my approach to things for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, that makes that makes more sense to me too. And and again, I think sometimes we get frustrated because again, you know, if we can't sleep, it does affect the rest of our day or week or whatever. And um, so, making that a priority, I think, is important. Making sleep a priority and making this changing our behaviors so we do get a good night's sleep is is a priority for us. Right. Um, it does really affect the rest of our day or our week and accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish mm-hmm. in life. Okay. And that keeping makes in mind also how you're thinking about that sleep. So if you're putting on a lot, a lot of pressure on yourself by saying, I must get seven hours of sleep or else, that kind of thought is going to lead to all sorts of, you know, catastrophic worries um, if you're not getting that seven hours of sleep. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. So being patient and, um, you know, approaching it that, okay, at, you know, 10 o'clock I'm going to turn off the computer or, what you know, whatever it is that you're doing. I'm going to have my last snack, you know, at 8 o'clock and I'm, going to, for that half hour before bed, do some deep breathing exercises or um, just read quietly um, something relaxing and not that's not going to be a page turner that I can't put down um, <laughs> yeah. or creating, you know, creating um, some sort of relaxing environment for, for yourself, something that works for you. It could be, you know, that white noise app that you, um, you know, had mentioned. It could be something where, okay, that is my cue for falling asleep, but... Um, um, kind of, get, you know, being at peace with the fact that um, you're just going to give it a try and see see how yeah, it goes. Absolutely. So not putting so much and, pressure on yourself. And maybe like that, you know, um, feeling of being able to kind of pamper ourselves. And maybe maybe it's a hot bath that will relax mm-hmm. us. You know, I know a lot of people just take showers these days, and their bathtub just goes without being used but maybe you know scrub it out a little bit and, and go ahead and <laughs> have a hot bubble bath I mean that you know, sounds relaxing to me absolutely <laughs> yeah. you know some candles and you know those kinds of things that would be really helpful I, I did want to say one thing because obviously there are some some sleep medical issues in fact my ex had um, sleep apnea very very badly mm-hmm. and 
And, of course, that was an, an opposite problem. He would fall asleep anywhere, anytime, until he actually got treatment for his sleep apnea. So there are other things that, you know, uh, cause sleep difficulties as well, um, mm-hmm. including, you know, uh, is it narcolepsy? Is that what it's called, too? And right. So there's a whole host of sleep um, disorders, and um, if... If there are other sleep issues that um, anyone is experiencing that we're not really describing here during this, that is a good opportunity to make you know to make this a point to discuss at your next doctor's appointment, uh-huh. or if it's um, a more urgent matter, making an appointment sooner. Sleep apnea can be um, undiagnosed, but very um, no a very real health concern. Um, so it's it's important to um, to address that if that is an issue and um, have that looked into um, by you know having that evaluated um, yeah, by your own doctor. I remember really when really good. The- yeah, when he went through that sleep study, he woke up, I don't know, 795 times or something like that in a, in a seven-hour period. So Right, so that's wow. getting some real data there, that there really was a problem, and now, was, now uh, then you yeah. found out about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah, and sometimes snoring. I know that sometimes is a, is a uh, uh, I don't know, a signal that that might be a problem, and if you are if you are tired all the time, I know just from my experience that seemed to be um, a big deal for, for yeah, his particular probably situation. Probably related to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that actually brings up a, a probably a, a good talking point, even if just briefly. But what do you, you know? How do you sleep when you sleep with a snorer? I mean, even ah, if it's not when there's a, heavy when there's snoring, but just in your light, environment that you, you can't know. control, right? So let's say you sleep with your dog every night, and that's great, except your dog, you know, moves around and that wakes you up. Or, you know, you, um, you know, there's a child in the house that you know crawls into bed in the middle of the night or you're sleeping you're sharing a bed with a snore or somebody that moves around a lot what do you do right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know it helps <laughs> so, <laughs> a fan an air conditioner well the dog yeah the dog thing you just put him in his bed and make him stay in his bed instead of on yours so that one's easy well, that, that could be applied to are... humans as well where you uh, a lot of people do find that they sleep better um, in their own bed if that is if that is an issue so that is actually not an uncommon thing for people to try is um, sleeping in different places but you really have to see what works best for for you and in, in your own situation there's also a lot of learning that happens too is that you know eventually over time you do learn to make adaptations to all of these other um you know distractions to your night of sleep so that you mm-hmm. do have a better uh, night of sleep yeah, well and cool. and to that point honestly mm-hmm. those things are habits too so for yeah. instance you know if you have a kid that comes into your room you know, and it becomes a habit. That becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. true. Yeah, and, when they're sixteen and, and they're still doing it, you got a real problem. <laughs> Even when they're five, it's a yeah. problem. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's once in a while. Yes, of course, your your child is gonna you know need to do that, um, and and it can be a fun you know kind of thing. But again, it can be a habit, and then it can cause your not getting the sleep you need. So exactly. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes complete sense. So, so how do our listeners learn more about this subject? Um, we only have four, about three minutes before we close. So, I just want to make sure that that uh, they have uh, the ability to find out more about this subject. 
Sure. Um, the best resource as far as organization, uh, I, I don't mean to endorse one particular organization, but an, an organization that is dedicated to um, educating and understanding sleep is the National Sleep Foundation. Um, as far as how um, treatment side effects of cancer affect um, sleep, the National Cancer Institute um, has um, has uh, published um, a work on that that is available online that you could um, investigate. And really, on an individual level, talking to your doctor or your therapist about this issue will be the most direct way of um, helping address your own issues. Right, right. And obviously a therapist like yourself or somebody, you know, in their local area would be appropriate as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been a really exciting conversation, I think. Um, You know, I I just, I think it's a bigger issue than most of us think about or are willing to even admit. I mean, I am one who I do not get enough sleep. I know it because I wake up sometimes in the morning and, and it's really early and I just can't get back to sleep. And then I go through the day by, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm yawning and I'm needing my chocolate fix. And, you know, mm-hmm. now maybe that's just a habit too. But, you know, I'm, I, I'm definitely one who needs more sleep than I'm getting, but I'm kind of in denial. Sharon, kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, I do fine on four or five hours. Yeah, for the first three hours after I wake up, and then, right, right. And then I'm and then, feeling it later. Well, so, and then it perpetuates the, oh, I need some caffeine in the afternoon. Yeah. Then perpetuates the fact that you can't yeah. go to sleep. Exactly. You know, yeah. So It's so amazing right. how many things in our lives are habits, right? Yeah, that yeah, we're not necessarily yeah. aware and, of. And your body's your body's going through so much healing, physical healing, when it's sleeping. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of sleep is to restore your body, the cells, all of these things. And so, if you're not sleeping, you're not restoring things, and you're just kind of carrying on the momentum. And so, it's something a cycle that does need to be broken. We are completely out of time, Dr. Amslam. Thank you so much for being on oh, our show so today. Welcome. This has been wonderful. Do you have a website that people can can refer to and what is that real quick at um, smarthealthpsych.com smarthealthpsych.com okay Mm -hmm. so if you want to reach out on twitter as well okay so if you want to reach out to dr amslam take a look at her website Um, we are out of time completely so we do invite you to come back next week and until then remember there is always hope and we're here to help you find it Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.